Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emerging Eye Golf Podcast. Jay is excited. He is here, fist pumping in the air. Nobody can see but us, but he is jacked, ready to go. McLean is with us after a week off last week. Back with us again. How are you guys? It's good to be back, boys. Going to be one of my uh, my last. Actually, next week will be my last Florida-based podcast. Um, sad to leave, but looking forward to all the great opportunities ahead. There and you go. guys are going to be so pleased next winter when I'm freezing my ass off. Cannot wait. It'll be great. God, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Nashville weather on my phone. So I want like if you have like a winter weather advisory, I just gotta call you and say, "Hey, buddy, how's it going?" Yeah, I'll be I'll be inside. <laughs> <laughs> the pod is officially moving inside. It is definitely moving inside. It'll be in my office. It will no longer be outside by the pool. <laughs> uh, well, welcome to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we got a fully loaded show. Talk a little G. Um, but first, I'm going to ask one question to one person. Jay, what are you drinking? Wow, I'm, I'm the only one that I feel. I just I feel bad. Oh, water and water. No, because we know what McLean's drinking. Drinking Corona yeah. Light. Um, I am actually drinking. Uh, <laughs> does look good. I'm drinking uh, Mictors US One. Oh, that's good stuff. I like that. So good. American. That's what we had at the PGA show this year. Yes. We we inadvertently deleted that bottle very quickly during it. Didn't last long, but (laughs) what an incredible bottle. Like it is just again, I know it's whiskey, American whiskey, and it's similar to like a Tennessee whiskey. So it's not bourbon per se. You say Tennessee. Yeah, I did. I did. You know anything about that? I'm going to. (laughs) You're going to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lighter, it's lighter, but it, man, it is so easy to drink. So I don't know. Anytime I get my hands on it, I, we were up in New York this weekend visiting some friends and, you know, obviously up there, the liquor stores are not regulated like they are in, in Carolina, the Carolinas and, and Virginia. So you can get some of this other stuff. Um, but some of it you have to pay a little higher price for, but this was, I mean, 40, 40 bucks or something, like oh, 45 nice. bucks. I'm like, why would I not get? as many bottles as they'll let me get. Yeah. So, absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. I'm, uh, I'm trying to detox a little at a long, yeah, you had weekend. a big weekend. You had a big weekend, big weekend in Scottsdale. I'm going to try to not Jay. I'm, I'm going to try to not drink until we go on our trip next week. Wow. Good for you. Good. I, I need to catch you on that first night when you get back on the horse, because that will be, that's going to be your night. It's only going to take a couple of drinks and you're going to be ready to go. <laughs> I'll take the under. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to not drink this weekend. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, long weekend in Scottsdale. So lots of drinking, lots and lots of drinking. That was fun. That was a good, good, I, good trip. It sounded like it was an awesome trip. Play a little, play a little golf at Greyhawk. Where we're watching the national championship, we were on the other side of the the street. Uh, there are other course, the talent course, but yeah, did play a little golf. Played absolutely fucking terrible. Why? Quick synopsis Why of my golf that? game. Quick synopsis. What I think I've come up with is, I don't know how to set up to a golf ball. Ah, that's gonna that's that's gonna make it tough. Oh, that's okay. mental. That's mental. That's not good. I I feel like every I can't align. I feel like my ball position and my weight's a little different every time. Like I feel like my grip's okay, but like 
mainly like weight and alignment I struggle with. And then the other biggest thing is, I don't know if I got ADHD or something. I cannot focus on like, if I want to actually like focus on hitting a golf shot, I hit it pretty good. I'm like focusing on the target and what I want to do with the golf ball. I just can't get myself to do it. Oh, what do you, what do you do? Or you hit the ball. I just, I don't know. Just think about it. Kind of. Yeah. Oh, look, a butterfly. Whack. Yeah. (laughs) And then I'm out there playing whack. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try to get it dialed in. I'm going to play golf this week. I'm going to have a couple of rain sessions. I'm going to kick your ass in Michigan next week. That's a vow I'm going to try to make. That's to myself, team. really, teammates. more so than stay tuned. teammates. Stay oh, tuned. I'll still kick your ass and we'll do well. Okay. Well, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. <laughs> I mean, I, I may have a new... be on the same team and bet each other. <laughs> yeah, we probably would. Yeah. yeah. I have actually done that before. Uh, oh, a, yeah. good, a good buddy of ours, Ralph Reard, uh, him and I always seem to play our best against each other. And he used to be a club pro back in the day. And we would play in these two-man things as partners. And we realized after one or two, it wasn't working out. So we would have what we called an MVP bet. We would have a bet against each other. Like, however many birdies you made, if you shot a lower score, if it was a best ball, who who had more cuts. Like, yeah, we'd just bet against each other to try to play better as the overall team. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. Yeah. So if you need a little extra, little extra juice, then you just get it. A little extra juice. So yeah, my my game's a little bit in disarray right now, but I think with not too much work, I can get it back to reasonable. I promise I'm, you guys don't know what disarray is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to go play on Thursday, and it'll be like my fourth round of the year. And I can promise you, I can I can't spell disarray. That's how that's how bad my game is. I mean, well, I'm I mean, getting ready to buy. Uh, I'm getting ready to buy new irons and new wedges, and I'm getting ready to put a new putter in play with a graphite shaft, new three wood head, new five wood head. I mean, let's just switch up the whole bag. Maybe oh, a new I'm, bag. I don't know. I mean, there's a possibility I may switch bags and get some new gloves. <laughs> new tees. <laughs> new tees. We'll get that. you a real brush tee, Jay. No, these tees are good. I can't switch from these. <laughs> They, they are the industry leader in tees. In what? Here's a rabbit hole. <laughs> you know who the industry leader in tees are? Wooden tees. Dude, you have not hit these tees. You don't swing it fast enough to t- see the difference. So it's, it's not going <laughs> to <not> matter. <laughs> hey, I can break a wooden tee. And you know what's funny is neither do I, but I still use them. <laughs> but... Oh yeah. god! This I'll is. I use these tees, no joke. I mean, Bobby Peterson, a friend of ours that's on the pod, runs the World Long Drive Association, I guess now. Works with Kyle Berkshire and all these other guys. He introduced this tee to me probably twelve years ago, and I was like, "This thing is silly." He's like, "Just use it," and I was like, "All right." I used it. I won. I won by like seven shots, and I did not miss a fairway in three days. I don't think. And I was like, "Okay, well, who knows? I may have been just swinging well, but I'm gonna put it in play." But after using the tee over and over, granted, I was maybe just playing good golf. I don't think it was the tee, obviously, but I noticed that I was using the same tee, and it had been like a month, and I had the same tee, and I was like, "Oh wow, I don't need to keep three of these in my pocket. I can keep one." And when I hit it, the tee is in the ground. It's not flying around. I have to go chase it. I was like, just for that simple fact that the tee is always there in the ground after I finish, 
I don't have to chase it around. It doesn't break. I have one team in my pocket. I'm like, that's good enough for me. And that's why I still use it 12 years later. There you go. I'm sorry. What is this tea? The tornado tea. Brush tea. Oh, the it's tornado. Not, I don't even know what a brush tea looks like. I've never even seen one. This is a tornado tea. No, the brush tea is nice. My mom uses them. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. I don't use it either. I've been pissing Jay off for years with that. Every time he talks about his damn tea, I just call it a brush tea. And he's yet to give it a shot. But I think it would change his I think it would change his game. Well, look, we did just have a revelation here on the Emergency Nine podcast where someone actually credited a T to a win. Yep. I wouldn't have done it without these T's. <laughs> <laughs> Things that Tiger was, never said. It was all the T. <laughs> God, how many majors would Tiger had if he used the tornado T? Probably twenty brush T, you know? Twenty. At least. That's so funny. Oh, jeez. All right. Let's get into some some real golf, not our shitty golf. Uh McLean, you gotta I wanna I want your take on uh the PJ championship, obviously Brooks, Michael Block, but uh we Jay and I tried to talk a little bit about your dad and how he was he was brought up a bunch last week as a legend, uh club professional with the PJ of America. And I know you were kind of reminiscing a little bit with your dad in the news uh, last week. Yeah, man, it was, uh, God, put me on the spot. Sorry. Try not to get emotional here. Um, No, it was really cool. Um, The fact that he got a little bit of coverage, some of his accolades got brought back up, you know, was something that was incredibly cool to just even witness. Um, What Michael Block did, I thought was, incredible um i think with him getting out there and just kind of staying in the moment the whole time allowed him to be successful and he he played an absolutely incredible event i can remember it was it was really cool for me so growing up the pj championship was always the first week of school and i missed the first week of school uh more times than i can remember because i always got to go and and be a part of um dad playing in the pga um some of my most memorable ones that i started really once i was old enough to really kind of remember and the first one that i really remember was 97 at wingfoot when tiger had just gotten on the scene sergio had just gotten on the scene um being there for that event uh 99 at medina 2000 at valhalla um those were kind of the three that really stick out to me of events that you know i kind of got to be a part of and being there with dad inside the ropes um i can remember I want to say Medina 99. I'll never forget uh, George Bryan, who is the Bryan brothers father uh, was also playing that event. And the Carolina section guys always kind of hung out together if they made it into a big event. And George Bryan and I, uh, after our dads were in player dining and they had finished up their round, we get to walk down. We're like, Hey, you know, we're going to walk down to the range. And this was at the same time of the Duval commercial where he knocked over the range cart <laughs> as we're walking down to go see it one duval they see the rain truck comes out and duval turns back to the crowd and goes hey you want me to knock that thing over and the crowd went nuts it was absolutely incredible but george bryan and i were actually walking down the um george george the fourth we're walking down the uh inside the ropes in the little player lane to get down to the rain and we had uh some guys stop and get our autograph and that was my first ever <laughs> autograph i ever get and that memory sticks with me um the the first and probably last autograph i ever gave um that memory sticks with me you know 
big time in terms of something that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll never forget and having such a cool uh, opportunity to be a part of an event like that. Um, you know, some of the things that dad did, you know, especially his, his big opportunities came earlier than that when I was probably a little bit too young, you know, in uh, Shoal Creek and Southern Hills. You know, I was a little bit too young to really remember that and be a part of it as much as once I got a little bit older, got to got to be in a lot more of those situations where it was really cool. I can remember sitting down at players dining with, um, you know, Paul Laurie right after he went right after he won the British Open. And, you know, the three weeks later, we're at the PGA and it was I think it was just my mom and I were sitting at a table and he was like, hey, you guys mind if I sit here with you? And he sat on the other side of it. And I, I just remember him eating an ice cream cone and being one of the nicest guys you could ever you know have a conversation with. I was so lucky and so fortunate to be a part of those situations before I knew how lucky and fortunate I was to be a part of those situations. Got to meet some absolutely incredible human beings. Got to be, um, you know, a part of, you know, dad won low club pro many a time. So he was, he was there on Sunday and got to be a part of the uh, trophy ceremony, much like Michael Block did. You know, some of those memories are what I look back on um, as some of my most fondest memories of my childhood. So it was incredibly cool to, you know, be a part of that situation and, and, uh, you know, have those opportunities that I have. So one of the coolest things to come out of the Michael Block situation in terms of it, like all reeling back in, especially with dad, um, my father's bone marrow donor when he was going through leukemia is a police officer in Southern California. Um, incredible guy, absolutely incredible guy. We, we, after dad was in remission, you know, they will, they will allow you to, to find out who he is. And we found that out and we ended up creating a relationship with this family. Really, really cool. And about that time, that was when his son, Zach, started really getting into golf. And I sent him some clubs back in the day when I was with, you know, two, two companies ago, um, helped him out and everything. And the coolest thing right now is that dad's bone marrow donor son is one of Michael Block's students. Oh, that is pretty cool. So when you start to wrap it all together, it's just like, it's just wild how all this works out. Zach Stout is now playing collegiately at, I believe, uh, somewhere in Colorado. I want to say Colorado State, but I may be, I may be butchering that. It may not be, but I, I'm pretty sure he's in Colorado playing collegiate golf. And his instructor is Michael Block. So the fact that Michael Block, got out there and influenced some of dad's old records, some of dad's old, because through 54 holes, Michael Block was the only other player to be in the top 10, except for my father at Shoal Creek in 1990. So just really, really cool how the golf world is so, um, so close knitted. Um, so many relationships that are, you know, kind of come, tenfold, especially me now, even going into a new territory and finding out how much connective tissue there is between my history, my father's history, um, the professionals there in Tennessee. Uh, it, it is incredibly cool to be a part of all that and even have the opportunity to um, you know, relive some of those memories. Um, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to the fact that you know all this was happening and then Alicia, Michael Stout's wife, and Michael Stout was my dad's bone marrow donor, um, they reached out and he was like, yeah, Zach, Zach's instructor is Michael block. And it's like, man, that's just 
just wild. That's, that's just crazy. absolutely wild. Yeah, that's so you know, congrats to Blocky. You know, so excited for him to have these opportunities. I hope this week he goes and he absolutely tears it up and plays some great golf. I know he's looking to rebound off of last week. I can only imagine that there was some sort of hangover between uh, 100%. the amount of publicity and the amount of everything that happened the previous week, but also the amount of pressure that he had coming into this week. You know, I mean, it, it kind of live up to the, yeah. Well, I mean, think about it, you know, for a guy like him, you know, this is not a negative to a guy like him. I don't mean to say that like, like he's not anyone out there. He's not as good as anyone else. When you go from, you know, even just look at his Instagram following. He went from like 4,000 to 20, or I'm sorry, 200, like 40,000 followers overnight. <laughs> um, he had That's sponsors. Crazy. He had agents reaching out. He had everything and all this stuff happened. It's a lot of pressure to then go out after that and follow it up. And unfortunately, he didn't. He wasn't able to make it make it happen. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a lot of pressure to go out there and do that. So at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see a club professional go out and make some waves, make a name for himself. You know, he, he was able to, you know, put a lot of penny on the table and, you know, my hopes are that obviously it's a massive benefit to him and his family. You know, he has um, a son that is in us open sectionals with his dad. And one of the funniest stories I saw was his son asking his mom, you know, who, <laughs> who are you rooting for in sectionals? And she was like, well, your dad makes a check. <laughs> so I'm kind of I'm, I'm going to pull for him in this instance, um, but you know, long story short, congrats to Michael Block. Such a cool story, so much fun to be a part of. I'm so thankful for him that it gave the opportunity for my dad to get a little bit of recognition for some of his former accolades, especially post mortem. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, it was just it was a really cool week to be a part of. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool stuff. Cool, cool stuff. Uh, real fast, what's your, what's your take on Brooks? <laughs> oh, the winner? <laughs> Dude, I mean, what what can you say? The guy is obviously still practicing. The live has not deterred him from wanting to be a great player, and I think that's one of the biggest questions that we all had with a lot of these guys. You know, DJ has even shown some recent form. Um, it would be easy to look back and say, you know, these guys collected a check and now they sit back. Brooks is obviously not doing that. Um, Brooks has gotten out there and he's competed extremely well in the first two majors. He has to be without question, a, a rider cover. I mean, if he's eligible, we don't benefit by not having him on the team. It seems like now he's in second place and it's a foregone conclusion of whether or not he's going to be a part of the team. Um, but I think we should all want him to be a part of the team. You know, if, when we look, when we look at it and we start, saluting the flag we don't look at personal vendettas we don't look at you know anything from that aspect and we go all right at the end of the day we're all americans and we want to go win this thing as the americans do brooks is a part of that and we have to support that we have to support what he's done we can't look back and say the guy finished second at the masters and won the pga and be like ah well no there's no ah well the guy the guy's there he's ready to play his game's in shape you know, he's got two more majors to really, you know, potentially hoist a couple other trophies. It is bonkers. The fact that how well he plays in majors, it really is. His win percentage is second to only Tiger Woods, if I'm not mistaken. Um, 
And it's, it's incredibly uncanny to look at what he has done in the majors versus what he's done on the regular PGA tour. We've all looked at him and like, yeah, it's somewhat of a fluke historically. I think we've done that on this podcast, but he's shutting us all up. He's going out there and performing and playing well when the cameras are on in the biggest moments in golf. And regardless of what you think about him personally, you got to respect what he's doing from a, a, a golf mm-hmm. standpoint. And I support what he's doing. I support him being a part of the American team come this fall. And I think we're all going to be better by having him uh, put the flag on his back. Love it. Yeah, I, we even mentioned yeah. this last week. We were talking about it. I know we, we don't need to recap it too much, but we want, definitely wanted to get your take. But, I mean, I kind of said the, the douchebag was back, and that's a good thing for Bryson. I mean, for not for Bryson. Here we go. I can't even help it, but I just think of douchebags. I think of Brooks and Bryson. But, but that's a good thing for Brooks. When he gets that chip on his shoulder and he acts like that, and he's kind of that – Super overly, I'd say overly confident, arrogant, kind of, you know, I don't even know how to respond to a simple question by the media. And I have to answer with like this weird tone that's like, well, why did you say it like that? Like, do you know, I mean, I know you know what I'm talking about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, any listener know exa- knows exactly what I'm talking about. Like, you could have just said, yeah, I'm playing well. Everything feels good. But he he goes beyond and says, well, yeah, I mean, I'm playing like I've always played when I'm dominating. And that's just, yeah, man, I feel good. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about, dude? Like, why, why do you talk like that? It's just, just always hardo speak. Yeah. It's like, can you just say, yeah, I mean, hey, I'm playing well. What do you want me to say? Be normal. But anyway, I mean, without, I mean, I'm not, not bashing him because he's playing his tail off. But it's sometimes it's like it's feast or famine with him. It's like he. He 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 can't compete like he he said in pa- in the past. I can't compete with these guys, and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty much the best. I'm going to dominate every major. No one can compete with me. I'm like, well, which one are you? You know, are you? Well, I, I also feel like there's a little bit of the mental warfare from being a professional golfer. Yeah, you know, stuff you're always flirting with having the right amount of confidence, too much confidence, and not enough confidence. Yeah, and I always, I, I always. Think it, you, Jay, you he know just. That. You know he just that. he just expresses it. I think all of those guys feel those feelings at some point. So that that you're right. That is that is uh that's a that's a common place for a professional golfer to have these big huge waves where can I even play out here? I can't play. I should I just quit? Uh, and then you win. You're like, oh, nobody can touch me. But he's just one of those guys who vocalizes it a little bit more than everybody else. And it, it just I don't know. I mean, I. I don't know. That's just not, I don't like listening to that. Like, I don't like hearing a guy talk about how much better he is than everybody else. It's almost like I would just rather him, you know, just be a little bit more humble with it, I guess, just in simple and simpler terms. But, but I, I, I get it. That's just for him. That's what works. And it, when he gets on that role, when he, he almost has to, he almost has to talk about how good he is to the media and to the public. Cause that energizes him. Um, which is fine. If that worked for him, go for it. But as a fan, in which we all have a right to pick and choose who we like to pull for, as a fan, I don't really care to listen to him talk about how good he is and give these real, you know, slight remarks all the time. I'm like, ah, I'll turn the channel. Keep doing what you do. It's fine. You're playing good. 
But when when you when they interview you, I'll turn the channel because I don't really <laughs> care to hear you talk like that. Like it's yeah, stupid. Yeah. No, I, I don't Annoying. disagree with that. I think it. I think it's a very fine line between trying to keep yourself confident. And, yeah. You know, it, uh, certain guys handle it differently. Yeah. So you know it's tough, but at the end of the day, if your results are backing up your talk, then go on and do whatever makes it work for you. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like that's what I, I I picked him. I picked him last week in one of our other leagues, and and it obviously paid off for me. But because um, I, I, I not in ours, not in ours. <laughs> uh, he the price the price point wasn't wasn't right, but in the other league it was, and it and it worked out. But the guys, you know, when he gets in that. I mean, I, I, I can put my, my own opinions aside when it comes to, when it comes to, you know, gambling on, on, you know, picking a guy who I think is going to win. I don't care who he is. Like, and we talked about this last week with like Bryson and Mike and I had a little discussion about whether or not Bryson should be on the Ryder cup and, and the initial thought. And I think you were right, Mike. I think most outsiders looking in would be like, Oh, he's a cancer to a team, but uh, I think all these guys are just ultra competitive. And I think if, if, if he's playing well, if Bryson's playing well, then they're going to, they're going to, Hey, I'll, whatever it takes. I don't care. I just want to win. Like I can, I can deal with you for four days, five days. Let's just win. You know? So I think there's, there's definitely to worry about that. I don't think he's going to play good enough to probably, probably not. But if, if it is the case, um, then, then I I think, I think they would put that put that to the side, and we've all played on teams with people that we don't like. But in the grand scheme of things, you're like, hey, what's the main goal? The goal is to win. And if this guy's good or guy or girl, if they're good, then I then I'll play with you. I'll deal with it, and then we can when the game's over, we can do our separate things and hang out with the different people. But let's just win. No, oh, I, I agree with that. I think you know, with Zach being the captain this year it it's tough because golf is in such a weird state right so was that being a captain he's obviously a pga tour guy 100 yeah. percent. not faulting him for that not faulting yeah. him for that but it also seems like he's going to make very much his picks based off of pga tour accomplishments yeah and there's part of me that also questions whether or not that gives us the best opportunity to win because there are, you know, you look at guys like Patrick Reed and guys like uh, Dustin Johnson, for example, that have more experience that are also playing extremely well, but their ranking points don't allow them to qualify for some of those top spots. Yeah. Does it make sense to go down the list and utilize those for the chance to win versus a chance to let your, I don't want to say political allegiances, but at the same time, somewhat political allegiances to outweigh who you pick. And I'm not, that's not a negative to any of the other guys that are there right there in that eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 ranking. Um, but it does that give us the best opportunity to win. I don't know what that, I don't know what that answer is. Like, and that that's me just being purely hypothetical to just say, all right, what, what does this, what does this look like? You know, are we well, bringing in these guys? And I'm a big fan of a lot of those guys that are in those rankings. They've earned their spot and I'm not trying to take that away from them. But at the end of the day, if you have a guy and you know Patrick Reed and Dustin Johnson start playing really well through these next few majors, and they get they get up there in those you know young twenties in the rankings, does it make sense to to potentially 
pass up some guys to go get some decorated Ryder Cup professionals and put some experience on the team and also potentially put some of the best players that are on this team. Uh, because at the end of the day, if these guys were playing PGA Tour week in and week out, what would their rankings look like? We don't know. We don't know. Again, purely hypothetical, but it's something to think about and it's something to take into question. And it's also something that we've never seen in the golf landscape before. Well, I so the way I look at it right now is, in my unbiased opinion, there's only one guy on Liv Brooks that deserves a spot based off of his play. The other guys yeah. are going to have to show me a lot in these next two majors. Like DJ is going to have to give me two top fives. You know, P Reed's have to give me two top five for me to say they're playing well enough to get Don't a disagree, spot. Mike. Don't disagree. What about, um, what about what did Bryson finish? What did he end up finishing in the tournament? Did he finish top five? Bryson's another guy. That's a that's a great point. I, I didn't mean to leave Bryson out. Um, I still don't think he's playing well enough. Show it to me more than once. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But if if he backs up another, say he finishes top five at the at the uh, U.S. Open, which he could certainly do with his length. I mean, and then maybe maybe a top. Top ten, top fifteen finish at the British he'd Open. To, he'd have to show me a lot. I just think. I mean, if he finishes, if he if he gets another top, if he gets two top tens in the last two majors, like that, that's that that guy's playing good. I mean, well, I, I think we'll I think see what happens way, there. I think a better way to look at it is that you know, let's leave the names out of it. A live golfer who we know has had limited opportunities to generate points gets into you know that 25 to 20 ranking spot with a couple of great finishes in the majors does he deserve a spot or is if he's Captain playing John- unbelievably well but sure sure but let's say he wins a couple of live events in that uh in that time frame those are hard to quantify i i don't disagree with that but it's still hoisting a trophy it's still winning if so you if you give a guy if you give a guy two top ten finishes in majors and then and then a couple wins even at a limited field like would you take the guy who likes to finish twentieth every week and just racks up points but really is not going to help you in the Ryder Cup but they're good at just finishing the top twenty like that's I I don't know I just feel like when you go to these matches like you need majority of these guys you need firepower. You know, I know everybody's like, oh, you need that guy who's going to make a bunch of pars. I'm like, well, wouldn't you like, wouldn't you like the guy who makes a bunch of birdies and a bunch of pars? Well, I think, I think course fit also plays as a factor here, too. I mean, I think a little bit, but the most talented guys are going to be able to play any damn golf course regardless, um, for the most part. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I, it's, it's, it's like you said, McLean, it's just hard to kind of compare right now because it, it's, it's kind of unique landscape and the points. And I think the PJ tour, obviously are, they're giving you know, more points and they're, they're heavily credited, you know, for playing in those PJ tour events and the live obviously is getting nothing. So it's almost like it's well, either what you do in the majors and the PGA that's tour is not given Ryder cup points. That's coming from the PJ America's point list. That hasn't changed. Yeah, but they they give them those based off of playing in a sanctioned event, sure, which is sure. on the PGA Tour, and yeah. but and obviously the the live is not sanctioned, so they're Correct. not getting but any the points or no point, no credibility for FedEx, any of those. The uh, FedEx events. Cup point structure has changed, but the PGA of America Ryder Cup point structure has not changed. Well, yeah, no, no, I'm other not than the that availability that they're not giving live points, exactly. So the the fact that like the, and I and there's no question I, I've. We've all we all agree that 
48 man field three, three round tournament uh, is not, should not be as valuable as 156 man, 144 man, 120 man, even field on the PJ tour. Uh, but you are playing against other top tier players. It should account for something. So I, I don't, I don't, when, when it comes to, you know, ranking or giving points for the Ryder cup, it's gotta it's what you're what they're doing has got to account for something it's got to be the common sense ranking yeah the common sense ranking while it's not necessarily something you can quantify directly based off of points alone you got to look back and say all right and and the only reason i bring this up because you have two guys like patrick reed and dustin johnson that have a long-standing history of success at the Ryder cup does it make sense to skip over a bunch of guys to put them in based off of not only their ranking, but more so what they've done worldwide, what they've done in other events, what they've done in, you know, the majors, we don't know what that's going to look like. And I just, I have a feeling that it's going to, it's going to play a big part of this, this conversation. You know, I mean, Zach Johnson seems like he's going to make his picks really lean on the PGA tour guys. I'm not necessarily faulting him for that. I just don't know if that gives us the best chance of winning long-term. Uh, I think you'll be fine. Ooh, you think who will be fine? The U.S. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's a bunch of studs on there. A bunch of studs. I'm not negating anything that any of the other guys. I mean, you look at the, the guys from 12 to 20, and we have a bunch of studs there. I'm, I'm not negating anything that they've done. I'm not negating anything from them. All I'm saying is that if you have some stalwarts, yeah, that are but right they have there. a bunch of stalwarts already. I would rather get you some know. new guys. I would rather get some new blood the the future rather than some late thirty year old guys in there that have already played in a bunch. If when you already have a bunch of guys that have a bunch of experience, the, the caveat to this would be if. If we do, we are favored and we will be favored and say they do pass up on some experience like uh, Dustin Johnson or Patrick Reed, who do have success there. They pass up for some younger players and they shit to bed. And then the Europeans that are heavily, you know, in, you know, not favored win, which would be awful. It would be bad. Uh, yeah. That would that would be <laughs> that would lead to a really, really. Tough conversation for this whole this whole you know setting, but yeah, I just I don't know. When we went over the list a couple of weeks ago, we thought there was ten clear cut guys. I think those ten clear cut guys are still in now. Brooks is in, so like Jay and I said last week, I think there's one spot available. Yeah. I'm not sure you put DJ or Patrick Reed over some of these other guys right now, as we stand yeah. here on on May 30th that. recording this. Yeah. I'm good with that. I would think of, of the of the live guys, it's probably unless Bryson does something crazy in the next two majors, it would probably have to come down to those two. But even still, you talk about uh, it would. I would think it would be DJ over Patrick Reed. Um, yeah, because those guys all fucking hate Patrick, Patrick Reed. No, I I, mean, I agree with that. I agree with that. But Captain America does have a great history. He's a baller. Regardless of what he's, he's always going to have a good lie. You know, until he, he throws his teammates under the bus like he did 
four years ago or six I, years I, ago, whatever that I, is. I don't disagree, but he puts up points. You don't have to like him personally. This is a team competition, and we're we're talking about our if, flag. We're not I understand that. If they were pieces. desperate, maybe they're not desperate. That's what I'm trying to say. I think that the United States I agree with that pool is so strong. They don't need a cancer. There's. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree. Unless he wins two majors, I don't think Patrick Reed is good enough to overcome all his douchebaggery and <laughs> how much these guys hate him. Like they do not like him. Like yeah, DJ, I mean, DJ, they all like Brooks. They all like, they do not like Bryson and, and Patrick Reed. They can't stand the guys. But so they have to be thing. playing unbelievably well to yeah. be put on this team. The yeah. only thing I would say on yeah, the other side of that, Mike, and this is just me, just me coming up with an opposite, um, uh, an opposite, uh, what's the word I'm looking, a, a take exactly. Um, for sake of argument, I agree with you 100%. How many guys don't want to be paired with Patrick Reed during a match play when it counts, though? Because as we both said earlier, we played with a lot of guys that we don't necessarily like. We've all done it, but we respect the fact that in the moment, I understand this guy that. gets it done. But when they're when they're sitting and Zach Johnson's text these guys and say, "Hey, who do we want to do for captain's picks?" It's between Tony Finau or Patrick Reed because based off the points right now, Tony Finau will be one of the last guys on the squad. Yeah. So if they're looking, who who do you want, Tony would, Finau or Patrick I Reed? Probably Patrick Reed. Say Tony. Finau. I would take Patrick Reed. Yeah, I would take Patrick Reed. I like I like Tony a lot, and I love me some Tony Finau. But they're all gonna the players are all gonna say Tony Finau. They they might they might, they might but when you talk about wanting to win bad enough, that pick is Patrick Reed hundred percent of the time. In no, not play, if if he's playing as as a world beater, but if he's not, then there's no even remote chance he makes this team. I mean, say I he that. beats Tony Finau in the next two majors, you know, by twenty places. I don't think it and, matters. And, I don't and, think the head to head matters. Well, but if he finishes say, twenty, if he finishes twentieth and Tony Finau finishes fortieth, that's not going to matter. No, let's just say he finishes 10th and Tony Finos finishes 30th in both of the remaining majors. And Tony is on the fence uh, to to get, you know, to get picked or he's let's just say he's on the fence to be in the top 12 and say Patrick Reed is in like top teens, which I'm, I'm not sure about the math. Maybe that's not even possible. I don't know. But maybe it's say it's close. But he beat him, beat him in the last two majors handedly. And with his track record, and I mean, I get it. I, 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 you make a good point. Like there is a sense of, of like, oh, this guy, I got to be in the locker room with this guy. Um, Cause these players but, now have more and more say over this. They're now leaning on the players more and more. If yeah. I were, if it were me, I would be, I would rally around the guys and be like, Hey dude, I, the guy's good. He's good. And everybody hates him. And he just, he thrives in it. He just thrives in the mud. He just, he, he just does it, and I'm like, you know what? I'll go to I'll go to war with you. You know, I'll go to yeah, Patrick Reed's not even in the top Mike, ten and live. Mike, we can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but when it comes to match play, and it comes to that, that format, he 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 steps it up. I'll play with him. I'll play with you, well, buddy. I'm not saying your take is wrong that you would play with him. I'm just saying the reality of the situation of yeah, no, the oh, landscape yeah. and the players and the. Sure, it's, it's true. That, Mike, and I'm not, sure it goes through their, 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 all of their brains about whether or not 
if they had to play with him, would they play with him? I think in the grand scheme of things, if he were not playing good and they didn't have to worry about it, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. The last thing they want to do is have to even think about it because in the I think in the in at the end, at the very end of the day, and they were like, Hey, what do you think about Patrick? He's close. He's close to get being a, a captain's pick. They're all probably gonna be like, God, man, I just don't want to freaking play with this guy, but I do want to win. <laughs> they want to win more than they care about their feelings and playing with the Again, like somebody that they like. If it's Tony, he's got to be close. Reed, Tony Finau's the answer from these guys. I don't. I, but hold on, Mike. You you Maybe. missed the you missed the point entirely there. You just got Jay to pick Patrick Reed over Tony Finau. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that is that that alone should award him a captain's pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do love me some Tony Vino. He's a talented dude, but we're aware. Patrick we're Reed aware. is a is a dog, man. He's a dog. He will we're aware. he will go he will go to bat in, in, in competition. And he's a he is as bad as he's as bad as any of them. I think he's probably the worst one when it comes to the shenanigans that he pulls outside of golf. Yeah, I think I'm, he is a I think Bryson is kind of a douchebag and weird and odd and just doesn't have a very he's just not a good personality and not social i have a good sense of social reality but i I flat out think patrick reed's a pure asshole (laughs) and i think his and i think his wife's an utter bitch and i think that all plays into it yeah i think his caddies i think his caddies a complete asshole i think it's i say a lot of i talk a lot of shit about a lot of players on this podcast i think he is a pure straight up asshole yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, I don't I think like he's Cass, at the top of most of the list. Cass. I don't. I don't have an issue with Cass as much. Um, but like I said, I, I would. I I like winning, and if this guy is going to go, he's going to go four and one, or you know whatever, and in his matches, uh, I will. Yeah, I'll play with you. And again, like and I, I know I've already said that, but the, my, my point is like it's like you look at Tony Finau's record. Is he is he a talented player? Yes. Is, should he have won a couple of majors and probably multiple events? Yes. Is he talented enough to do it? But the proof is in the pudding in the grand scheme of things. And and Patrick Reed has proven himself to to be a great um, you know Ryder Cup player. And I I mean, like I said, if it if it would make everybody feel better, you know, maybe one guy just says, you know what? Hey, I don't care. I'll play with the guy every day. Every round, you guys don't mess with him. Don't talk to him. I'll take it all on. You guys do your thing. Let's go win. But anyway, we'll see. I think, I think you're right, though. He's got to do some really good things before. And even DJ's got to do some really good stuff to prove to me that he's worthy of making this team. Yeah. Because what did he finish in the the PGA? Did he even crack DJ? Did he even crack the top 40? He had a good first round, and then he went like 74, 74, 74 after that. Yeah, 55th in the yeah. in the PGA. So, I mean, he's got work to do for him to even be put on that list. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, and it's it, – I guess it's a little bit easier on the U.S. side because it is the PGA of America not the PGA Tour. And so yeah. there's not quite the axe to grind. That, that the tour has, yeah. but on the European side, it is the European side of the Ryder Cup is run by the European tour. The DP World Tour runs that side. Yeah. So that's where they're having, you know, I know Rom even came out 
at his press conference state memorial and had some comments about wanting to have Sergio and these guys on the team and this kind of stuff. That's not going to happen over there. Yeah. I mean, these guys, these guys sued the European tour. It took them to court. I guess allegedly Sergio still hasn't paid any of his fines that he incurred when they suspended him and fined him last year when he was still a member of the DP World Tour. What a crazy finale uh, for a player that is going to go down as probably, if not the best, one of the best Ryder Cup players of all time. And he's going to be kind of shunned at the end. It's crazy. I mean, because I, I honestly think that he probably, what is he, 43? Sounds about right. 44, maybe? I'm, he could he could easily get one or two more Ryder Cups and just supplant himself as like, that's just the best of all time in there. I mean, I, you can go Apparently back. He already, already kind of has. He, has, he already kind of has, but yeah. there, there there's a couple other players that you would put up there that would be kind of close. I mean... I know Nick Faldo. Nick Faldo had a pretty decent Ryder Cup career, right? Not not nearly as good as not at that level, but uh, as Sergio. But I'm sure you guys are pulling up the stats. I'm right trying now. to pull up the uh, points stats right now. Here, hold please. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's I get. It's, I totally get why the DP World Tour. Yeah. Are you and taking not, Tom Hoagie over Patrick Reed? You're taking Hoagie over Patrick Reed? Or are you asking if I would take Hoagie right, over Right now, I'd take Hoagie. I would not. I would not take Tom Hoagie over Patrick no, Reed. Can't well, do it. No. I don't I think either are on the team. But would you take Chris Kirk yeah. over Patrick Reed? No. Or Dustin Chris Johnson? Kirk, Chris Kirk won on the PJ Tour recently. Would you take Chris Kirk over Patrick Reed or Dustin Johnson in the Ryder Cup? Show me how they're playing. Would you take Kirk Kitayama? I'll take Kirk Kitayama. He's playing better than all those guys right now. I'm not arguing with it. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just, yeah. Part of it, I mean, if you were good six, eight years ago, doesn't really matter. Doesn't help me this year. I wouldn't say six or eight years ago. I mean, he, he played pretty well two years ago and then four years ago. Was reading on the team two years ago? Pretty sure he was. Yeah, he was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it that that's the other that's the other part. It's like just the lack of uh, tournaments in general for the live, you know. And you finish in twentieth in a live event. It's like, oh, you can't even finish in the top, barely in the top half of a forty-eight man field. But you know, it, when the the fields are small like that, it's weird. Like they can get real top heavy real fast. Like. You can have the top 10 guys play great and they could have won or could have finished in the same sequence, top 10 in a PGA tour event because they're just playing good golf. And then it drops off real quick, you know, in these smaller fields, it's really weird. The disparity and the gaps get really big, really fast. in those, um, you know, between like first yeah. and 10, first and 20th. Well, well, first I'm, and 30th. I'm looking at the rankings right now. Six through 10 are pretty much done deal. Uh, seven through ten. I apologize. You're gonna take Spieth, Burns, Thomas, Morikawa. Yeah, hundred percent. On the the eleven and twelve seed currently is Kitayama and Zalatoris. Zalatoris is coming back off of injury. Yeah, Kitayama. Kitayama has no no history 
to come back on from this. I'm not negating anything that he's done. Great player. Great guy. Not not taking away anything from him. But when you just look at, you know, going to get it done at the end of the day, you have a lot of opportunity in that 11 and 12 spot. Well, Fina would be one of them, would be my other one. I don't know. He's, he's 14th right now. He putts like Kazeo Aoki. His putting statistics are way better than anyone actually would give him credit for because we watch him miss those short putts all the time. Um, but in the moment, he's not a killer. You know, he, he yeah, just doesn't I'd still seem... Put, I'd still put him on there. Well, he's 14th right now. He's He has to overtake Wyndham Clark, Kitayama, and Zal Torres for a spot. No, he doesn't. It's, there's six captain's picks. Yeah, but he's ranked 14th. Yeah, but that they don't they don't have to go by the rankings for a captain's pick. No, I get I get that. I get that. But I'm just saying, like they can skip know. those guys and just pick him. I would rather take Sahit uh Thigala. I'm okay. I'm okay with a young a young guy to get him some to get him some reps. You don't have to play the guy five matches. I still got a bunch of guys in front of him. Ricky Fowler seems like he would be a good pick. He's playing uh he's playing like a top 15 player in the world right now. Ricky Fowler would be good. He's, he's ranked all the way down at 22nd, but he would be a good pick. But if I look at the guys in front of him, in between them, I mean, look, you've got, you know, Kitty Yamas, Alatoris, 11, 12, Wyndham Clark, Finau, Kirk, English, Thagala, Bradley, Hoagie, Moore, McCarthy, and then Ricky Fowler. And I would have Ricky, I would rather have Ricky Fowler than the, the previous six names mentioned. Yeah, he has, he has a top 10 finish in a major, guys. and he jumps way up that list. Yeah, which is not to take anything away from those guys. They're all playing great golf. And they all deserve their spot. They all deserve their op- opportunity. But it's just in this sort of event, it's tough to not lean on a little bit of experience. They have a lot of experience with the other guys you already listed. Who? The top 10. I'm just saying you oh, can get away. You can get away with you can get away with a little less experience at, at at eleven and twelve when you have that much in, on one you, through ten. You, you can, you can, but you don't necessarily have to. No. But anyways, I, I think right now my take, my team is eleven guys, and we'll we'll see who that that twelfth guy becomes. But you now is not on my team. He just won on the PJ Tour. He's not a match play dog. He's a nice guy. He's an awesome guy, an incredible human being, a great golfer, but he's not that match play dog. I'd agree with you. Right I mean, now, hell, Jay beat him. This right now, <laughs> Jay beat him. I mean, geez, he should never be picked if I beat him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean that in the most, you know, endearing way, Jay. No, no, no. I get it. I, I said the same thing. <laughs> Don't pick that guy. I beat him. Uh, so it'll be better. interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, that will be every, a, every few weeks. Yeah, that'll be a slow, ongoing discussion there. The craziest sure. thing, the craziest thing to me is that the next top ranked player above P. Reed and Dustin Johnson's Phil Mickelson. Oh, that's how about a segue? He's ranked 26. He's ranked above DJ and P. Reed. And we're not even putting him on our calendar. But no, the guy's like 47th on the live tour right now. 
Yeah. No, no he's, he's, he's in he, Ryder Cup right Talk about somebody who doesn't have a great history in Matt and the Ryder Club, Ryder Cup and match play. I agree. I, I don't disagree, but man, experience wise. He, oh, they got plenty of experience. They all fucking hate Phil Mickelson, too. There's no way Seth Waugh, the PGA, no chance. is oh, going to say. Here we go. How about is it Phil Mickelson or is it is it Patrick Reed? Who is the who is the lesser of the two douchebags that you would play with in the Ryder Cup? Talk about I me? would say Patrick Reed just because I know Patrick Reed wants to win. Phil Mickelson, I don't think wants to win. He just wants to be in you front of people. Take P. Reed, you gotta take P. Reed. Yeah, he's also got a better track record. In all honesty, yeah, yeah, he, he, he he's better in in the Ryder Cup. Well, I mean, Patrick now Reed obviously Phil Mickelson the, is has won six majors. <laughs> well, yeah, Patrick he's had a, he's is, had a one of the top 10, 15 careers of all time. Um, pa- Patrick, Patrick Reed's Reed nowhere near that. Part of the greatest Ryder Cup match of all time against Rory. <laughs> yeah, without question, the greatest Ryder Cup match of all time. In other words, T Gate, you could have a Rory P Reed singles match and have everyone be all jacked up. We'll, T Gate, we'll, we'll get them sponsored by Tornado T. It'll be great. <laughs> You can throw a brush tea at them. Uh, what are those? I don't even know what those look like. <laughs> My ass. Uh, do we want to get into the Charles Schwab at Colonial this week? We're about an hour into this podcast. I do want to get your take on Phil Mickelson and Brandon Chamblee, though. Well, we'll get there. Uh, real real fast, Emiliano Grillo wins. I actually don't want your take on Emiliano Grillo. Cool story. Um you know, doubles 18, that whole crazy scene with the golf ball. Did you know he could actually hit that moving golf ball? I, I learned that this weekend. So you no. all, so he's, he's at 10 under, goes 18, blows it right into that man-made canal aqueduct. There's water flowing in it, and the golf ball was moving, and they were curious at where it was going to go. And the rules official, you know, basically said, uh, the guy that they had on CBS, Mark, uh, Mark, uh, I forget, that's with the D. He said that they can't wait for that ball to finish rolling and maybe it bounces out to an advantageous spot. Basically, the rules official can call it dead or he has the option to hit the moving ball. You cannot hit a moving ball when it's in play unless it's in water. It's If it's in moving water, you can hit a moving golf ball. If it's That's on the clear. grass, you can't. On the green, you cannot do it. But if it's in moving water, you can choose is- to hit it. And this is why people don't play freaking golf because they have <laughs> stupid rules like this. I mean, yeah. are you kidding me? Can you hit a moving ball? Can you not hit a moving ball? Oh, you can't hit a moving ball when it's the temperature is 72 degrees and it's got enough precipitation around it to where it acts like water. Then you can do it. Uh, but other than that, no, you can't. Like, geez, are you kidding me? So that's so stupid. So here's what I want your take. Uh, cool. Uh, I did like Emiliano Grillo. He pulled the. He was hitting balls on the first tee, you know, because the driving range is kind of a ways away. So he's warming up for the potential playoff on the first tee. And he brings two kids over the balcony to start hitting some golf balls, which is cool. But then he was basically in his in his post-round press conference, basically said he was trying to get his mind off of him just making double bogey and potentially costing himself the tournament and was like trying to cheer himself up and was like, I'm going to do something cool for these two, two kids. I and love so, it. Awesome. 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 And he told a story that that same thing happened to him in South America. I forget. uh, What's his name? Caracas. What was his first name? Jose. Jose Caracas pulled him over when he was seven or eight 
in into the field of play at a golf tournament. And he said it like changed his life, and that's why he became a pro. And so Jose Caceres. Sure. There you go. What'd I say? Caracas. That's a city, isn't it? Yeah. Um <laughs> anyway, so he kind of wanted to pay it forward a little bit. And anyway, it was a cool little little story there. I didn't put this on the um agenda. Scotty Scheffler's putting. It's not good. He is hitting the ball. I, I just heard the stat the other day, and I forget what it it's was. I should have wrote it so down. Good. He's it's hitting so good. it so good, like all worldly, like greatest ball striker of all time right now. His putting is oh, excuse me. His putting is bad. If if uh, they were saying there was one stat, I was listening to the uh, podcast, and based on how well he's hitting it, tee to green, if he were just putting a, in the top half. He would have won like five, five or six events already this year, if he were just putting in the top half of the field every week. I mean, that's crazy. He hasn't finished outside the top twelve since the CJ Cup in October, which was probably just one of those things. Like, hey, I want to try to keep a little, little game going here, and we'll go down to South Carolina and play. I mean, but he is putting. Awful. And it doesn't look like it doesn't look like Tony Finau's stroke, but it looks good. It just they just don't go in. It, it's it's remarkable. And he he they've he's getting kind of getting annoyed. They've asked him about it a few times in the media and he's like, oh, I'm putting good, I'm putting just hitting a lot of lips. And and I, I know a lot of that is just kind of the positive self-talk with these guys are kind of taught, and that's what you hear a lot. But man, yeah, it's it's remarkable how good he's hitting it and how poor. I mean, he finished second at the PGA and didn't make a single putt over 15 feet the whole week. The whole week. The whole week. This is a major championship on absolutely perfect greens. Perfect greens. And you're the best ball striker, so it's not like you're not giving yourself a lot of opportunities. And made none. Zero. Zilch. Zero. Nada. Was nothing. Zero putts from 15 feet and beyond. He That's crazy. One shot out of the playoff this weekend. And he was 71st out of 72 guys that made the cut in putting. <laughs> with only good. one shot out of a playoff. I mean, if that guy gets, if he gets his putter somewhat rolling, he might it's never game lose. over. Yeah, it's game over. When he puts well, you can't beat him. No. When he puts half decent, you can't beat him. He just has to be in the, the top half, top third. Top third, and he's untouchable. And he's going to win unless somebody has a crazy, crazy streak. And the only person I would put up there would be probably Rom, Rory, possibly if he's not not in this little funk that he's in too. But if those guys are all on firing all cylinders, to have all three of those guys, I mean, that would be uh, that would be the match of all the matches, match of all matches. Yeah, um, you know, there's. You know, a couple other players that you could probably put on the fringe of that, but those three right there, I think, are from a talent standpoint, from T to green, just overall, like I, they're in a class, the class above the rest. Agreed. Right now. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, all right. You want me to talk Phil Mickelson? Well, we had Live, Live DC. Um, which is like 45 minutes outside of D. It's not even really remotely close. It's live Northern Virginia. They should be calling it. 
Um, Good spot, though. At least it was nice to see them play at a, a world-class golf course again. Harold Harold Varner wins. If you want to like, if you want to win like you've never won before, or you want to break a like a really long winless drought, just go to live. That's what it seems what all these guys are doing. <laughs> now we're having fun. <laughs> I mean, look at the list of guys. Charles Harrell hasn't won forever. He wins. Danny Lee hasn't won ever forever. He wins. Uh, Charles Swartzel hadn't won in forever. He wins. Henrik Sensen hadn't won in forever. He wins. Like all these guys have broken winless streaks or have never won before. Uh, Anyways, so I don't know. What do you want me to talk? Phil and Brandel Shambly got into it on Twitter back and forth. Um, I don't know if I want to read all these damn quotes because there's a freaking lot of them here. But I don't know. What you, what's your take? Well, I, these are two people that I really don't care for. So um, I, as much as I don't like Phil Mickelson, um, his first comment that he made was kind of funny. Because um, he's right. Because Brandel sits on his little pedestal at, at Golf Channel. And Not no one wants to really argue with him. And he just, I think he just you know, mouths off quite a bit. And, and, and the ratings are good because people are like, Oh, wow. Did you hear that? He just said this. He's kind of like Stephen A. Smith of the golf world. Super annoying. Uh, you know, comes off as a super, you I'm know, over, overly confident. Like I'm, uh, and condescending to any listener or any other commentator on the show. And it's honestly quite annoying. And it's a turnoff for me. I actually turn the channel, but most people will tune in just to hear what kind of bullshit he says. Uh, he does do his research and that's fine and all good and his dandy, whatever. But the, the way in which he says it, the tone in which he says it is such a turnoff for me. And it's, it's so off putting. So to hear Phil kind of come back and, and, you know, obviously Phil came back and apologized. And I know that went back and forth. There's a lot of things said, but the initial, the initial, you know, comment that Phil made was that, that like, Hey, I'm not going to sit back and let you bash me over and over and not say anything. So here we go. And I'm like, all right, fine, let's go. I'm, let me see you guys argue. <laughs> I was kind of, yeah. So I don't, I don't mind Brandel. I don't agree with everything he says or how he says it sometimes. I don't I don't mind him as much as most people do. I completely get that a lot of people can't stand the guy. Um I absolutely hate Phil Mickelson. For some reason, this did nothing for me. I just was like, okay, two blowhards flapping their gums on Twitter yeah. and nothing's gonna come of it. And I was I don't, you know, like I don't know. Like it'd be cool. Like, I know Brandel said, like, oh yeah, let's come on. We'll have a live debate and feels like, well, I'm not going to do it to give the golf channel ratings and this and that. And not like it ever would happen. It would be cool to see him go at it. I would definitely tune into that. That's not going to happen. So I was like, I don't know the whole, the whole, the whole Twitter, Twitter thing of people going back and forth, just sitting on their couch behind their screens. Doesn't do a whole lot for me in all honesty. Um, Both guys think they're the smartest guy in every room they're in. That doesn't do much for me. You know, there's really neither of those guys. I, I, if I want to take on something, they're not two of the most respected guys that I'm going to go seek out what they have to say. So, yeah, that's kind of all it was. 
you know, it was really the same thing that you typically get from Brandel, and it was typically the same thing you get with Phil on the whole live PGA Tour debate. So it wasn't any real new information for me. I'm sure a lot of a lot of average fans that probably don't follow it as closely as we do or probably thought it was pretty interesting. Oh, that's funny. You know, these two kind of big names in the golf world and their own kind of own avenues going at it. But but what do you say about Brad Faxon and Brandel Shamley having a little spout earlier in the week? I thought that was fine. I mean, there, there's obviously something to be said for Brandel Shamley and the way that he presents himself in this like, you know, I don't overpowering, you know, mindset or or opinion. He's, I mean, there's one thing to have an opinion. I do respect somebody has an opinion and say, hey, this is why I think this is what I believe. Uh, and this is, you know, these are the reasons why I think this. And here you go. You take it. Tell me what your thought is and I'll accept it. I'll listen kind of like what we do. But like yeah. he he just can't accept anyone else's opinion ever or anyone else's take. Rather, so whether, they, whether they give them the facts. And I'm not saying this specific instance. I'm just saying my my you know my irritation with him is that he can never just say hey that's a great point you know I didn't look at it that way not one time sure. ever it's yeah. always my way or the highway all the time every time and it's it's so annoying I'm like and again I people tune in apparently because they want to see how freaking idiotic he sounds on TV so they just watch I'm like, yeah, you, I didn't. You don't, I don't know. You so, don't, he, he he just bashes some of these players all the time, over and over and over and over about every single aspect of their game. And again, I'm not. I've never been on the PJ tour. He has been. But when we're talking Brandon Shambly comparing, you know, and and criticizing Tiger and Jack and you know Rory and Phil, it's like, dude, you don't have a clue. You you don't well, know. Well, so doing. that that whole thing, I I've this this has nothing to do with Brandel per se, but that whole take of like. I've heard other players say in other sports, like, well, who, well, who's this guy to say? Like, well, if that's the case, then no one should ever comment on anything. Like, no, 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 that's that's not what I'm saying. You don't have to be a great coach, or you don't have to be a great player to be a great coach. You don't have to be a great player to be a great analyst, but you can be a bad analyst when you are when you're overzealous and think that you are never wrong. That's the shit that, that irritates him. Sure, I yeah, get you I can't. Get, you, I get that, and that's what he does. He does it over and over, over and over and over and over. It's He's like not good. He's not good. The Stephen A. Um, example was very well taken. I think that's a great example of who Brandle is in the golf world um, versus who Stephen A. is in the basketball world. And JJ Reddick came out and said some great stuff against Stephen A. Uh, earlier yeah. this week when they kind of got into it, and JJ just goes. Yeah, I'm sorry. You played three games at South Dakota, Western Carolina State. Um, it doesn't give you the right to be able to, you know, judge these players. With but that's still that's that, that's goes to my point. It doesn't matter how much someone. I'm not saying uh, I like no, Stephen I, A. I, I fucking I get, hate Stephen A. I, I get all of that. All then I'm there would never that, be a media would not exist talking about sports as far as analysts go. If you had to be the best in the world, then then Michael Jordan has to be an analyst and Wayne Gretzky can be uh, the only hockey analyst. Then that doesn't make any that. sense. I agree with that. But on the backside of that, there are certain takes that these guys try to mention that they may not be the best person to one mention that. But on the backside of that, they don't necessarily have the expertise on the backside to be able to take such an aggressive stance. 
that's 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 exactly correct that's that's well put because again it's one thing and and again that's why they bring a david duvall on that's why they bring a brad faxon on because like hey this is real this guy's been in the mix now was david duvall the greatest player that ever was no but he was the greatest player on the planet for a short period of time so he understands number one what these guys are going through brad faxon still arguably the greatest putter of all time they've got him on 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 the set talking golf talking putting talking thoughts what are you doing and then they have Randall, and I'm like, okay, what what do you bring to the stage? Now, I will say that one thing he does, he does do a lot of research. He likes to look at everything. And, he's and a historian. Keep... I'll give him credit, man. He's a, he he's an historian. I agree, and that's that. great. And that. and it's stick to stick to that. Stick to based on uh, my research. I found this, this, and this. But once he starts getting so opinionated uh, and, and criticizing these guys, and he has no experience in that area, that's when it's like he just loses all of his credibility, and it just sounds like he sounds like the freaking teacher in Charlie Brown. Like, <laughs> wah, 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 wah. I'm like, oh my god, can I? I can't turn the channel fast enough to not listen to that. But anyway, I don't mind him. <laughs> I'm glad there's one. I don't always agree with everything he says or how he says it, but I don't. I don't mind him. I, I'm okay yeah. with. I'm okay with people pushing the envelope and saying things. Um, I don't know. Yeah, but you, I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm okay with that too. I mean, let's push the envelope and let's have a, let's have a take on it. But give us a, give us some backing. Give us something that that why does, why are you though. saying that? And do you? He he does, but at the same time, it, uh, if you really listen to what he says, he he kind of wraps his he wraps his his take with a lot of facts, but then it really revolves around his opinion on somebody. He hates Tiger. He did for the longest time. Now he's backed off of this. Now that Tiger's not in the, in the news, but he hated Tiger for the longest time, and he would find every way to criticize everything that he did. And I'm like, dude, it's Tiger. He's better than, than everyone else by by a long shot. Like, what are you what are you trying to disprove? Like, it, is it? Are you really giving us facts here? I mean, you're you're doing a bunch of research, but those fa- facts aren't matching up with your opinion on this person. Like, he is so heavily opinion based. Even though he does his research, it it really comes down to who do you like, who do you not like, and it's pretty obvious when he talks. You can tell who he doesn't like and who he does like. And that part, I'm like, I don't want to watch that. Just give me the, give me the facts, give me the juice. Let me make my own opinion. You know. I don't want to watch CNN. I don't want to watch Fox News. Just can somebody just give me the real the real juice? Don't get me started there. Yeah. Well, I mean that. You know that that that's that's yeah. very straight I, down I, the middle. I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't. Um, uh, yeah. You you obviously feel way strong about Brandle than I do. I could take him or leave him, but I, I don't mind most of what he says. I mean, I, even if I don't agree with it. Um, that's yeah, fine. I could. I could. I thought. Like, I thought. Though, I thought it was blown out of proportion. The whole thing with him and Brad Faxon. I didn't even think that was like a real. Like I saw the headline. I missed it. I wasn't watching it live, and I saw the headline. Like, oh, he huge heated thing. I'm like, I don't think it was that heated. Like, yeah, wasn't that heated? Because I watched like a five because, minute video. Because, I'm like, I don't know. Because Brad Faxon is a professional and and kind of laughed it off and made a joke of it to keep the airtime going. But you know, Brandel didn't did not do that. The the veteran who's been on on TV with the Golf Channel for the last fifteen years, he chose to let some dead air sink in so he could try to make his point. It was a very egotistical way to handle the situation. Go back and watch it. I mean, I'm you. You can make your own opinion, but it's pretty obvious. 
who who was the who was the guy who said let, let me let me figure this out um and it was it was facts so whatever i don't i don't need to go into any more detail yes i don't really care for brandon shem oh, i couldn't, you, I couldn't tell me. i thought you yeah. loved the guy yeah. i couldn't tell yeah. he's awesome i mean honestly i mean <laughs> i don't even watch the golf channel I don't even watch the golf central because he's on there and that sucks. Cause I used to watch it to see what was going on, but I just don't watch it. Cause he's, he's just, he absolutely makes my blood boil listening to him. I don't I need that. It. I don't need, I don't need blood boiling. It. I'm going to, I'm going to put golf channel on every night in Michigan. I'll just do something else. I won't watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm real easy. I'm I'm real good at de- deferring away from things that stress me out. I'm not I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, you guys want to talk about Claude Harmon's comments? He went and blast blast the media and Brandel. That's kind of where this all started. It was him blast, blasting the media. Um, Brand he called Brandel a paid actor, and then Brandel responded online, and then that's when Phil got into the whole back and forth with it. I don't want to get into all these comments. It's a pretty lengthy article. Um. By yeah, Adam, I'm I'm good with not giving Brandle any more airtime. Adam Shupak, uh, I don't want to talk Brandle. I just want to talk the Claude Harmon stuff. I don't know. You guys can look it up. I I don't really want to get into it because I thought a lot of what he said was complete utter poppycock, as they I'm, say. Honestly, I'm um, ready. To, I'm ready to talk about DraftKings. You're ready to talk DraftKings, huh? Why is that? I don't know. It just seems like a, a good segue. Okay. So yeah, Claude Harmon, if you want to read it, it's a long article. He bashes everyone. Um, some really poor um, metaphors and whataboutisms in there. I'll just say that. So hmm. I'm curious who the paid, I'm curious who the real paid actor is, but that's hmm. all I'll say about CH3. Do we have a do we have team Randall right now? Do we have a team Randall? No, I had nothing. I told you I could really take it or leave it. I was talking about his live comments. He went through way more than just Brandle. I mean, I don't know if you read the yeah. article. He talked about all kinds of stuff. Um, and he also was going off and bashing other guys who didn't write articles. He was picking fights with like a whole bunch of media members after the PGA. Uh, not just the comments he gave to Adam Shupak. He was the only one that wrote an article about it. But I just, I just thought it was very uh, dumb and tone deaf. Some of the stuff he was saying about Liv. yeah, didn't didn't match up. It didn't match up. Uh, nothing to do with Brand- his comments about Brandel. I'm just talking about his comments regarding Liv and his defense of it. He, to me, sounded like the paid actor in the situation. Yeah. Not saying that Brandel's not a paid actor, but I'm saying he also <laughs> we, sounded like a paid actor. We got two paid actors here. One for Live Golf, one for the Golf Channel. Yeah, I mean, so. Brandel Shambly is a paid actor. I mean, that's what he does. He gets on TV, yeah. puts his suit on, and he talks a talks a big game. I mean, that's what well, he does. I think, I think part of his deal is that they want him to create a little bit of controversy. That's why he gets ratings, and that is what it is. Yeah, no question, no question. Hey, people always like love said, when we people. Yeah, people always we, love when we, we argue they, and disagree. People don't want to hear just. You know, boring yeah. stuff and everyone agree on TV. Not that we ever do it on purpose. We're not paid actors. We're not paid at all. Um, <laughs> but no, you're uh, right. That's why they watch Stephen A. I mean, they want to they want to see what type of crazy thing he comes up with. 
and they want to see somebody, you know, dispute it. And that's the same thing with the golf channel. I mean, it's, he's the villain in my opinion, and people like seeing what the villain's going to do. Yeah. So, all right, let's get, let's get to DraftKings. We have a great event. One of my favorite events of the week, the Memorial at Jack's place, Muirfield village, a elevated designated event, whatever you want to call this thing. Um, these new things that they're doing, but yeah, we all know the golf course, tons and tons of history here. No need to go over that. They did redo it a couple of years ago, but it's still the same, the same bones of, of Muirfield village that you've, you've seen over the, the last handful of decades. So McLean, you won again. This is really getting fucking tiring. What's the scoreboard? at? No, nah, don't, don't worry about the scoreboard. Just make your picks. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the you're in the season long lead, and it's getting wider. It seemed like it was getting close at one point, and you know now we now we're here. <laughs> All right, let's run it down. If you if you've tuned into the power rankings, which oh, let me click on the power. I actually brought the tab up here. Well, my feeling is that my two compatriots here have not taken a a, a hint of the power rankings. Can I, wait, wait, wait. Uh, uh, New segment. Looking at the power rankings, I'm going to guess your team. <laughs> Roll. I'm going to guess four of them because I don't think all these guys would be able to fit in the uh, salary cap here. All right, let's hear it. You're going to go um, Victor Hovland, Sahith Tagala, Ricky Fowler, Patrick Cantlay. You got two out of the three. Um. Go to the four. Go to the four. Let's run it. Let's run it right down. All right. Coming out on top, Victor Hovland, as Mike most eloquently uh, <laughs> made the pick. Um, running down from there, I got Sahith Begala at eighty four hundred. I also have Mister Shane Lowry, mm. eighty one hundred. Lowry. Lowry. Mike Lowry, Lowry, uh, Adam Scott at eight thousand, Siwoo Kim at eight thousand, and the only pick outside of the power rankings this week, which I ex- I actually really like. I think it's going to be a good pick. Um, I have Mister Cam Davis seventy seven hundred. Hmm. So five out of my six picks come straight out of the power rankings. <laughs> So you went with a lot of big uh, kind of middle tier guys. What was your highest guy, Hovland? Highest guy was Hovland. I mean, I only have to beat you two. So that's that's why I, I made those picks. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Um, I went, I'll go second. Uh, and I, I, just, I may have just I may have just gotten a little bit too confident there. That may come back yeah. to me in the ass. Go back to I, you I, or I, not. I had a little bit or of fun not. with it. I had a little bit of fun with it. You know, it is what it is. I'm still humble, so very humble. I just, I just hope, I just hope to have a good week, have a good squad. Yeah, if, I could, if I could hit, you know, my iron shots and putts from where Rory drives it, I'd be a top ten player in the world. Oof. We didn't, we didn't make, Oof. we didn't talk about Blocky's comment there. That was bad. <laughs> real, real fast on Blocky. He's been getting a lot of heat about that comment. And there's another comment that he made in a press conference about shooting 58 to 59 or something like that. Give the guy a break. He's not used to the. He did every yeah. fucking interview possible. He was on 
ESPN Golf Channel, NBC Sports, CNN, The Today Show, Good Morning America. He did like three or four different podcasts that I'm aware of. He did print media interviews. Like when you talk that much, one, you're probably going to play bad because you're not preparing for a golf tournament. And two, when you're not used to that, you're going to say some stupid things and maybe get caught yeah. up in your own little pub a little bit. Yeah. So just a, and, yeah. and Blocky's and Blocky's defense there. I just want to bad comment. Of course, you're not going to be a top 10 player in the world hitting it from where um, Rory does. But yeah, just think he just got a little caught up there. Yeah. Fair. He's so, I will say before we move on, the fact that he finished top 15 in that tournament it, 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 with ball speeds in the 150s and 160s is absolutely incredible. At that golf course. At that golf course. It's absolutely incredible that he played that well. Yeah, it's not I mean, like it was the country club last year in Brookline that was 7,000 yards. You know? Yeah, and it's not like he's a you know 27-year-old you know PGA pro that hits at 320 and you know whatever, played college golf, mini tour golf, and didn't make it and just got into the business and blah, blah. He's still fresh and playing like mm-hmm. competitive golf. I mean, this guy's been working at a club for the last 20 years and giving instruction, running a pro shop, running a golf course, and then finished top 15 in a major and hits it and hits it like 275. It's like, I mean, this is your average Joe at your club that could easily shoot 74 if he has a bad day, but finish 15th of the PGA championship. Yeah, it's remarkable. It really is. It's crazy. But anyway, I agree with you. I think that, you know, when you do that many interviews and you're that available, uh, you're going to, you, they're going to catch you. And that's why, and that unfortunately that's why we get all these really silly generic answers from all these guys, because they know the second I let my guard down for one second and, and you've got it on tape or on video, then everyone's going to bash me. And it's like, I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I think he was trying to play. I think he was honestly trying to play up Rory. A Rory, a compliment, like how this guy hits it so far. Like, man, I, I can't imagine, and his thought went from one thing to the next. I can't imagine, you know, hitting from where he hits it. Like I feel like I would be a great player if I hit it from where he hits yeah. it, but then come yeah, out. I think the, you're dead. You're dead right with kind of his his thought process there, but yeah. So, um, all right, I have changed my team about thirteen times. Oh so, yeah, <laughs> I get no idea if I feel confident or not. I was all over the place. I was going to go super low with some guys so I could go super high on the other end and I uh, just all over the place. But here's what I came up with. A couple I feel good about, a couple not so well, much. Uh, $6,600, Austin Eckrote. College stud has come out, started to play better the last month or so. I needed someone cheap. I like it. I think he could he could play decent. He gets it a long ways, which will will help here. At Muirfield Village. So $6,600, Austin Ekro. Then I go up to a sleeper this week, Ryan Fox, $7,100. I've been picking this guy a lot over the last year or so. He, he doesn't, he's starting to play over here way more now. He used to just kind of be primarily majors in, in DP World Tour and WGCs were the only time you'd see him over here kind of thing. But um, he's just playing some pretty solid golf. Again, hits it a mile. I think that'll help around here, drives it well. Then I'm going to go 
up to uh, $8,400. Sahith Agala, I think his game just fits here perfect. He's got a little track record now, the last couple of years playing here. So I like that. Then I go up to, I might start picking this guy until he wins. And I, you know what? Fuck it. He's going to win this week. $8,500. Ricky Fowler is going to mm. get it done. He loves this golf course, has a great track record here. And like I've been saying, he's been legitimately playing like you look at his stats, like a top 15 player in the world recently. Has has only finished out of the top. Well, he missed the cut of the PJ championship. Other than that, hasn't finished out of the top 30 since January. So yeah, I like him. He's gonna win. He's gonna he's getting out there snide here soon. It'll be a big story. You're gonna start making that Ryder Cup team here soon. Get P. Reed off the team. Ricky Fowler is going to make it. Then I'm going to go up to uh, Hideki Matsuyama. Also plays this golf course well. Is sneaky rounding uh, into form here with his game after being injured for a little while. And then my last pick. I can't believe I'm picking this guy. I don't know Just why. Thomas. Rory McIlroy. 10,600. I don't know why. I had a I have a hunch he's going to play well. My gut says he's not. Like I just like why am I why am I clicking on his name right now? I'm, I'm like down on Rory. This is when he plays well though. Yeah, it's kind of when he plays well. This golf course fits his game. He played okay at you know, he had the another Rory what backdoor top 10 at a, at a major at the PGA. So it's been a little feast or famine with him this year. I don't know. Rory McIlroy. I don't think he wins, but I think he plays well. Top five. So there you go. Yeah, that's that's, that's tough. But I get it. I mean, it's it, I mean, no one would argue with you for picking Rory. I mean, even though he hasn't been playing that great. But um, all right. I will uh, uh, always start from the bottom. So here we go. Uh, Brendan Todd, sixty-seven hundred bucks. Decent, decent track record here. Nothing spectacular, but he's made the cut quite a bit, and he's playing some solid golf. So sixty-seven hundred bucks is pretty good. Pretty good pick. And then from here, I move into a lot of mid-range guys. Um, I think we've we've talked about quite a few of them already. Um, Siwoo Kim, eight thousand, for all reasons mentioned. Um, you know, 16 and 19 cuts this year, playing pretty solid and missed the cut of the PGA, which is kind of a bummer. Um, but and then missed the cut of the RBC Heritage. But outside of that, played some really, you know, solid golf in terms of uh, DraftKings and getting some points. Um, then I jump up to Shane Lowry, plays tough golf courses really well. Has played this golf course well. Well, um, then I moved to Corey Connors. Corey, I mean, I keep picking this guy because he he just plays hard golf courses really well, and he's especially this one. He likes this golf course. It's, I mean, the epitome of a you know a ball strikers golf course. They really, you know, Jack. After the when did they do the re- renovation, the redo? Twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. You know, he just he, the goal is just make it hard. They just want to make it hard, and it's hard and. Corey plays these hard golf courses really well. 
you know, coming off a top 12 finish at the PGA, eighth at the Wells Fargo, and, you know, a win at the Valero, you know, five weeks ago. So it wouldn't surprise me if he has another really strong week. Um, then I jump up to Sahith Tagala. You guys, all the reasons that you mentioned, 16 to 17 cuts, you know, guys just, he's, he's kind of, you know, falling into, uh, I shouldn't say falling into, but he's rounding into being a, a, a really solid, you know, golfer. Um, I know he kind of hits his, his swings kind of all over the place. hits it really hard, but the guys he's getting, he's getting a good feel of how to play a full, this is maybe his, is this his second full season on tour? Yeah. Last year he was a rookie, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He was a rookie last so, year. So now he's got, he's seen these golf courses for the second time, which is pretty cool. I mean, maybe the third time, I think he played a little bit in the year mm -hmm. prior. Um, so finished fifth here last year, 32nd, the year prior. Um, again, I know, uh, one of you, one of you guys picked him, if not both of all three of us, all three um, of us. Oh, great. Well then I feel like I should change it. <laughs> um, uh, last but not least, Patrick Cantlay, um, obviously he's won here twice, uh, five top, five top tens. And, you know, the guy just. There are there are courses for horses, and he just absolutely loves this place. So um, we'll see. How he does. I mean, he's been playing. It's not like he's playing poorly coming into this. I mean, correct. Tenth, top ten of the PGA Championship. Twenty first, fourth, third, fourteenth, ninth, nineteenth, fourth, third. That's going all the way back to you know Phoenix, where his last miscut was. So the guy's playing some good golf. I, I he's wanted only 31 to pick him. years old too. I, I feel like Patrick has been around for a long time. He came on the scene early, and then he took some time away with the injuries and the Back car injuries. accident. But yeah, like he's only thirty-one. I mean, this guy's—he's good. He's good. He's solid. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick him. He was just like every article I read was just like can't lay, can't lay, can't lay, can't lay. Yeah, and I was just like, uh, sometimes I like to avoid that guy that everyone's yeah. picking. He's the chalk play. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I don't fault anyone for playing him because, like you said, he finishes top twenty every week and he's won here twice. So yeah. But alrighty, cool. Yep, I look forward to uh, watching the Memorial, dreaming of those milkshakes, and uh, we'll watch a little golf this weekend. Anything else from you, gents? No, man. Awesome. Cool. Appreciate it, boys. Thanks to all of our listeners. Cheers.